Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, we're continuing to walk through the book of First Peter. Um, and uh, yeah, good morning to all you guys online uh, that are watching. Um, and I just want to remind us that Peter is writing to folks who have been dealing with persecution on a scale that we can't really grasp or imagine. Uh, it's not people being persecuted because people don't vote like them or think like them and saying mean things about one another online. It's literally people who are being hunted down by their neighbors and by the government. They're being killed, they're being tortured, they're being chased, they're being run from their homes, and they're being run out of the country. Uh, and what we're about to read, it may sound kind of flippant from Peter, uh, because his focus is not to fully address their situation. He does talk about the trials that they're going through, but he takes their current situation and he addresses it from an eternal perspective and then encourages them by reminding them and reminding us that we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, so if you have a Bible, uh, turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to make our way through uh, the next couple of verses. We're going to get through more than two this week. So that should be encouraging to someone. While you're turning to First Peter, it's toward the end of your book. It's right after uh, the book of James. I'm just going to summarize the first two verses that we talked about last week. Because Peter writes this in verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect... And he addresses it to strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And we talked about how those were places where existing churches were. So when uh, the people started getting persecuted, and we talked about the persecution was literally people were uh, attacking them, burning down their homes. Uh, the government, which was Nero at the time, was taking them, tarring them, and lighting them on fire while they were alive and then using their burning, screaming bodies in his garden as torches. as kind of like tiki torches. Uh, and all of this was going on because uh, the, the city of Rome had been burned to the ground. Uh, and some historians say that Nero did it. All historians agree that Nero blamed the church. Christians. He said, these Christians are the ones who did it. So everyone was hating on the Christians. And he, he writes to them and says, all of you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, uh, meaning God chose them because he knew who would become a Christian beforehand, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, by placing his Holy Spirit in them for obedience to Jesus Christ. And then this is what he says, starting in verse 3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the reasons why we talked about uh, earlier letting go of all that anxiety, anger, frustration, all the junk that we bring into a Sunday celebration, because the best way to overcome your trials, your issues, is to start by giving praise and glory to God. So he says, praise be to the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. He says, the birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, he reminds them that, hey, um, even though you're going through something, right, first and foremost, give praise to God, but you have a living hope. And that living hope uh, is through Jesus Christ, through his resurrection from the dead, we are all now able to access that living hope. And that living hope is part of our in eternal inheritance. And the author of the uh, book of Hebrews comments on that as well. Uh, the author of the book of Hebrews in this particular passage is writing them about why we no longer need to make animal sacrifices in order to repent for our sins. And he explains that to him. And then he says this in verse 15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. We don't need the old covenant where there was an exchange. Uh, we would sacrifice an animal and the blood of the animal would cover our sins. He says, now there's a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance now that Christ has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And he focuses on this as well. There's an eternal inheritance. And we talked about last week how Peter is trying to get people, yeah, they're dealing with a lot of issues. They're struggling. They're being persecuted. They're being run from their homes. And he is saying, hey, yeah, you have issues right now, but your living hope is an eternal thing. Your hope shouldn't be based on whoever is going to be able to relieve you of your current circumstances. Your hope should be based on the eternal inheritance that you have available through Jesus Christ. And he says this in verse 6, In this, that living hope that Jesus made possible, our eternal inheritance, in this you greatly rejoice. And I know a lot of us don't think it's possible that when we're going through something, that you're told to rejoice, but over and over and over throughout the Bible, uh, we're told to rejoice. As a matter of fact, when, when Jesus came to the disciples and they were out on the boat and there was a storm and they were fearing for their lives, uh, some versions, I think it's the King James says, take courage. The words that used is be encouraged. And you're thinking, hey, I'm in a storm. I may die. I'm scared to death. But the courage is not because the storm is going to go away. The courage is because God is in your life. And that's why we rejoice. It's not because, hey, I'm facing something and I can't wait for this to go over. I'm rejoicing because even though I'm facing this, I still have God in my life. I have the guarantee of an eternal inheritance. And nothing that happens on this planet can take that away from me. That's why we rejoice. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, this, the, the living hope you have through Jesus, our eternal inheritance. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And, and let me share this only because I don't know if you guys are aware. It's, it's, it's when Rachel, Rachel's not here, so we'll talk about her. <laughs> Gary and Karen's daughter, Rachel, when she was the community impact team leader and she was planning events uh, for, for the, for the uh, congregation and stuff for Crossroads, um, we would always weigh out, hey, is this a good event or is this an event that's going to get us in trouble? And she would say, well, even if it gets us on the news, we're on the news in a good way. But this is, this is the kind of thing where when your name gets in the news, you always hope it's a good thing. Right? And I don't know if you guys saw it, but from West Jefferson Hills, the school district uh, was in the news 
because of all the racial tension that's going on. And I don't know if you guys are, are, are privy to it, but I had met with some of the people and some of the students and all these people to, uh, uh, and there's even a, a Facebook group to help try to reconcile a lot of the racial tension in the school district. And I was watching this, and whenever, and Christy will tell you this, whenever there's racial stuff that pops up, I get angry and I get frustrated because especially if it's from the church, and I don't know how many of these people are Christian, but I get angry and I get frustrated. And then especially when I deal with it myself, because I've had to deal with it myself, whether it be from cashiers or uh, from waiters and waitresses or just people giving me dirty looks or whatever out in the community, uh, I get angry and I get frustrated and I get upset. And the only thing that helps me get through that is thinking, this is not my final destination. This is not where I'm meant to stay. I have an eternal hope where people will one day look at each other and regardless of what they look like, they'll see each other the way God sees them. Not by the color of their skin, not by the culture, not by the way they vote, but just as people who either are recipients of God's love or people who are desperately in need of God's love. So, yeah, it is possible when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a struggle, even when it seems as severe as what they were going through, to focus on and rejoice because this is not your final destination, right? So that, that, that's what he tells them to do. And then uh, drop down to verse 7. He says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I wish we understood how important our faith was. I wish we understood that it's our faith that can help us through all of these trials, all of these struggles, all of the issues that we're going through. It's our faith that can strengthen us because Peter says your faith is worth more than gold. Gold burns up and it's gone, but your faith is what can sustain you. He says, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, uh, he says again, here is our hope. Our salvation is what guarantees us this eternal inheritance. Because of our faith and because we stepped across the line of faith, uh, it creates this, this circle of cycle that ends with our eternal destination. Um, and Paul wrote about this to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When he preached the word to them and they heard it, wow, now they're included in Christ. When you believed and they stepped across the line of faith and believed it, they were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And it's the cycle when people hear the gospel, the good news, and they step across the line of faith and say, I believe that to be true, then God says, hey, you are now one of the people who I chose because I had foreknowledge, who I called, and so I'm going to put the promised seal of the Holy Spirit in you so that you know, because God already knows, so that you know that you have an eternal inheritance. 
And every time a trial comes up, every time you go through a struggle, every time something happens in your life, you should be able to look at that internal inheritance because of God's Holy Spirit in you and say, everything's going to be okay. Even if I can't get all of this paid off, even if I don't get better, even if I can't get this done, I'm a part of the family of God, and I'm going to take solace in that. That's why we have God's Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 10, he says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So here's, here's what we saying. Even the Old Testament prophets, right? Because we read through the Old Testament. And if you're reading through the daily Bible with us, we're reading a lot of Ezra, or we just finished reading a lot of Ezra and, and a lot of Jeremiah. And a lot of these guys were predicting, and even in the book of Daniel, predicting things that were going to happen. And they would look forward to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They didn't know that's what it was. Some of them did. But they looked forward to this redemption, this inheritance, during their trial, trials, during their struggles, and they looked forward to it the way that we now look back and say, we know exactly what it was. We know exactly when it happened. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of the cross. Now, they look forward to it by faith that, hey, this is going to, uh, 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 even if I don't get everything that I'm supposed to get, which the author of Hebrews talks about in great detail, I'm looking forward to this time when Jesus will seal me Make me a part of his family, and I'll have this eternal inheritance the same way that we look back to what happened on the cross and say, this has sealed me, this guarantees me that I have this eternal inheritance with God. That's the joy, the thing that we're supposed to rejoice in. And then he closes out. long to look into and understand and, and, and get a grasp on the fact that, that, that uh, Paul even calls it this great mystery. And this great mystery is the fact is that God loved us enough to include us in his family and give us an eternal inheritance. So much so that when we're struggling, when we're going through stuff, when we're uh, dealing with whether it be racial issues, whether it be financial issues, whether it be medical issues, that we can rejoice and put our hope not in the fact that, hey, God may resolve this small thing, but that I am a part of this eternal thing. And, and this is, I'm going to go back and uh, finish with this part of the... Uh, passage, and this is the Amplified Version, Peter says, praised, honored, and blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. Because by his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope. Our hope isn't in just what God did 2,000 years ago. Our hope is in what God is able to do for us now. Our hope is in what God is able to do for us in the future. And our hope is in the eternal destiny that we have with God. 
Our hope is in the fact that not a single person on the planet can ever take that away from us. Our hope is in the fact that it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter what culture you are, it doesn't matter who you vote for, that God is still going to love you with a never-ending eternal love. And our hope is in the fact that even though it may seem like our nation is divided, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are united in fulfilling the promise and the eternal inheritance that we have as being a part of God's people. Our hope is in the fact that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die upon a cross so that we would never have to deal with any of these issues on our own. Our hope is in the fact that we have a living God who loves us unconditionally and sent his son to die for us. Despite the fact that this is our hope, we still live in a world that doesn't act like it. Despite the fact that we have an ever-living hope, we still are a part of a body of Christ that is fractured and that is divided. Despite the fact that Jesus died not just for one denomination or one race or for one color, but for all humanity, we still have people that can't love one another even though he puts his Holy Spirit in us and gives us the ability to do so. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want to spend just a moment or two praying for the church and then specifically praying for our community because our community may seem light now. It's just about to go through some stuff just because of all the division. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we pray that you would lift up the church. Those people called by your name, those people who, as we just read, have been born again to an ever-living hope. We pray that you would allow us to direct other people to that source of hope. We pray that we wouldn't see the differences in people we pray that, as we said earlier, that we would love one another, specifically and especially our brothers in Christ, not because of how good we are, but because you first loved us. We pray that we would take seriously, wholeheartedly, your command that it's non-negotiable that we love one another the same way that you love us. And Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for the racial division that's going on. We pray for the political division that's going on. We pray that those who are called by your name and those who have an ever-living hope would put aside their differences and unite together to share and to show the love of Christ to the people in our community. We pray that you would work in the hearts of everyone who is called by your name. That we would be able to point people to you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to close out uh, singing that song again, All My Hope Is In Jesus. And... Um, 
Oh, and Roberta asked me to remind people of women's Bible study at 1 p.m. here at the church uh, called No Other Gods. Uh, but I'm going to ask that we, uh, that we just sing and that as you're singing this song, uh, maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're going through something and maybe you need to put your hope in Jesus Christ, uh, that same God who uh, promises his love and that eternal living hope uh, to us, promise it, promises it to anyone who needs it. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand and just uh, join us in lifting up God and song. Oh, I've been washed by the blood. Now I'm going to ask the band to just keep playing softly for a minute. Because maybe not in this room, but I'm sure there's people out there who are feeling like they have no hope. Feeling like just with everything that is going on this year that there is nowhere to turn. But I am begging you to consider that the same God who created the universe knows of your situation. He knows of the hurt that you may be experiencing. He knows of the struggle that you may be facing. He knows of the people that may have hurt you. And he offers to you the same hope that he offers to all of humanity that made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. So if you're hearing this and you're, you're struggling, you're hurting, even if you consider yourself a Christian and your faith is wavering just in the face of all that we're dealing with in our community, in our country, just let God's Holy Spirit speak to you right now and strengthen you and remind you of the ever-living hope we have made possible through Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your hope in Him before, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to go to a place. You don't have to say a prayer. You don't have to raise your hands. You just have to believe that He sent His Son to die for you. And just like we read, when you believe that, then he puts his Holy Spirit in you so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what you face in this life, that God is with you. So God, we pray that whoever's hearing this, that you would help them take that step of faith. You would help them put their faith and trust in you. And through your Holy Spirit, you would assure them or reassure them or encourage them that they have if they've made this profession of faith and they believe in what you did on the cross, that as they are filled with your Holy Spirit, that they are a child of God. God, we thank you that you don't leave us hopeless, that through our faith that you give us, as Paul said, something that is more precious than gold, the ability to persevere and endure. And for that, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Amen.